Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Awesome time in the presence of God, eh? Friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves too cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life. That's 1 Peter 2, verse 11 and 12 in the message version. In other words, live right and display real love as people who don't really belong here so that people who don't like Jesus yet can lay nothing bad on us or get turned off by our slackness or stupidity. (laughs) Those are my words. (laughs) I remember when we ran youth uh, events, we would often spend some hours gathering and preparing all the essential ingredients to make it a success. And we'd generally have to pick up a few kids on the way. And we'd arrive perhaps five minutes after the official meeting time, a little flustered and a And a few of those waiting around for instructions would call foul with some kind of offhand remark. It was always a really good attitude test uh, for us to answer with some grace, you know, and to, to be gracious. But I'd say to Jenny, hey, it's fair enough. As leaders, as much as is possible, we should be there ahead of time. Another time, I visited the New Age family of a girl that had been coming to youth group for a while. And yeah, although they liked the the changes I'd seen in their daughter and uh, much of what was happening, they objected to songs about defeating the enemy or spiritual war. And then they added, and why do you park your car under the canopy? When it's wet, we can't use it to pick up our kids. And I thought, hey, fair enough, as leaders, we should set a good example and park in the proper place, in the rain. <laughs> if we were to take 1 Peter uh, 1 and 2 down to the garage and dismantle it, we would find that it kind of breaks down into three main themes. Chapters 1 and 2 of First Peter. It breaks down into three main themes, salvation, suffering and submission, the three S's. And over the, the last few weeks, we've been in chapter 1 and 2 of First Peter. And we've mainly highlighted the, this wonderful salvation, and we've also touched on suffering. So just to, a little recap then on our journey through one, 1 Peter. Week 1, we saw that we who follow him have been blessed with an incredible salvation through Christ by his suffering on the cross when he died as us, as Craig's just explained. Though we will face testing through his resurrection, he broke the curse of death, enabling us to be born again to a living hope, verse 3, and to obtain an eternal inheritance, which is imperishable and undefiled. Verse 4, are we excited about that? Yes. Week 2, being truly born again, We are eternally and forever grateful with a joy inexpressible, Peter says, leading to our response to love him back in verse 8. 
We looked at the story of Peter being challenged on the beach. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? We looked at how that looks in today's broken world, dealing with past grievances. Sorry, we looked at forgiveness, restoration, and the challenge to pass to others. In week three, if we've tasted the kindness of the Lord and come to Him, we together become living stones. Uh, the words of Peter that uh, when he says, You are a living stone, you are a holy nation, you are a righteous people, the you is always plural. We together become living stones and a royal priesthood. 2 verse 5. We looked at how that looks in today's broken world and we then looked at some past grievances. Hey, so today uh, we're still in chapter 2 where Paul introduces the third theme, submission, into the mix. Here in verses 11 to 25 he points out that this wonderful salvation will attract attention. We will look different and be different. And as I said two weeks ago, we'll be ruined for the ordinary. Our faith in Christ should be obvious to others. I mentioned before I was in hospital for a fairly long stint and uh, our son Jason was kind enough to bring up this selection of really awesome songs with a headset when I was wearing my headphones and in my bed in the room with four other guys, or three other guys, I think it was a room of four, and uh, I was cranking it up, you know, we will not be shaken, and all these songs, and I'm um, sort of nodding away, and looked around at some fairly strange faces, only to realise that the kind of wiring was getting a little bit funny on the headset, <laughs> and everyone could hear what was going on, praise God. But anyway, <laughs> about a day later, this one guy says, so... Uh, have you always been a Christian or have you just come to it lately? <laughs> so people will notice. People will, will look at us and make their judgments. And um, yeah, so along with that will come trials in one form or another. Salvation, suffering and submission are inseparable in this life. But just to know Christ makes it all worthwhile in this life and the next. So Jenny's going to come and read uh, 2 Peter 2, 11 to 25. 1 Peter, sorry, 1 Peter. <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves. This passage is entitled, Living Godly Lives in a Pagan Society. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves." 
Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen. So it's against this uh, backdrop of, of keeping our behavior excellent among Gentiles in verse 12 that we will often suffer ridicule or slander. And this kind of suffering pleases God. But it's also a form of spiritual warfare, I believe. When we do the right thing, despite our personal cost to us. You know, it actually is one of the weapons that we have. Doing things right is part of our spiritual warfare. Because when we do things right, the devil kind of can't accuse us. You know, it's no use seeing red and blue lights in our rearview vision uh, when we're doing 120 down the highway and saying, Lord, bind the police. <laughs> you know, we're wrong. And they have the government on their side to pull us over. They are a representative of the laws of the land. If people who don't, uh, you know, follow Christ can um, obey the law, pay their taxes and submit to earthly authority, then even more so should we. I'm going to read a little bit of an excerpt from um, a book by David Pawson. He says about suffering, according to Peter, suffering is the inevitable result of salvation. Indeed, it is astonishing how much of the New Testament was written to Christians who were suffering or about to suffer persecution. Like Peter's letters, Hebrews and Revelation are written against this backdrop. Both Jesus and Paul were concerned to warn believers that they would face persecution. Western Christianity, where persecution is minimal, although that could be changing, is actually abnormal. Peter says three things about the suffering. Number one, make sure you don't deserve it. Like we've already just said. If you go to prison for a crime, then you certainly can't say that you are suffering for Jesus. Often we offend people with our manner or our awkwardness, 
and we pretend that their negative reaction is the offense of the gospel when it's nothing of the kind. We might we must make sure that the only offense is the offense of the gospel. So Peter is concerned that his readers should not be deserving of any punishment they receive. Number two, take no revenge. When the readers suffer, Peter says they must not retaliate. The natural instinct, of course, is to hit back. When somebody harms us, we instinctively want to take revenge. Peter says that Christians must never do that. But Jesus suffered, when Jesus suffered, sorry, he did not retaliate, even when they spat on him. When a lamb was slain in the Old Testament, it was not tortured beforehand. Its throat was cut quickly with a minimum of pain. But when the Lamb of God was slain, they mocked him, flogged him, jammed thorns into his forehead, dressed him up and spat on him. Yet his response was to ask his father to forgive his enemies because they didn't realize what they were doing. Peter says that in the same way we should never think of getting our own back. We should repay evil with good. As Jesus said, we should bless those who curse us rather than seeking to get even. Number three or C, don't let it get to you. The persecutors were trying to wear down the believers. So Peter's advice was not to allow them to. He reminds his readers that although their bodies may be harmed, the persecutors are unable to touch their spirits. Let them do what they like with your body, but keep your spirit intact. That way, even when you seem to be losing, you will, in the end, gain the victory. Suffering is only for a little while after all. <laughs> a lifetime is nothing compared to eternity. Furthermore, the devil is behind all persecution, so don't just see it in purely human terms. We're in the battle, as Elliot said before. As hinted earlier, Jesus urges his readers to learn to submit to suffering rather than seek to avoid it. He applies the unusual advice in a number of areas. It is not blind submission, as we shall see, but it is learning to have a submissive spirit. So just those three things again about suffering. Make sure you don't deserve it. Don't uh, take revenge. And number three, don't let it get to you. And on submission... He points out there are three things to submit to in this passage, or two in this passage. Number one, to every human institution, whether to a king or the one in authority. So when that policeman does bring uh, bring you over to the side of the road, uh, we give him respect and we we submit to him, not because of that he's a nice guy, but because he's got the weight of authority behind him. And secondly, to masters in verse, in verse 18. And I guess we could say these days the equivalent is, is the boss. <laughs> you know, um, One worker said to me, you know that every boss is a mongrel, eh? <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe that's quite a, a common rap, but 
you've got to overcome that as a boss by going the extra mile, I've found. But the Bible says even unrealistic bosses we are to respect. Wow. It's not so great in, these, in this um, environment, is it? It doesn't go down well. But submitting to an unreasonable boss. And finally, husbands in chapter 3. But Jenny's going to talk about that next week. So, <laughs> ladies, your handbags will be checked at the door for rocks. <laughs> so that's next week. We're just going to talk about those first two today. <laughs> I love the gospel of salvation in Christ Jesus. But we can all be guilty at times of suggesting that it solves all our problems. You know, when we were young, we used to go down the main street, um, or mainly in, in Hamilton, into the garden place with the open-air campaigners. And you'd get put on the spot. That was kind of the rule. You had to be ready for anything. You'd get asked up, Murray, when did you receive Jesus? In front of a big crowd, you know. Oh, you know, when I was... 11, yeah, yeah. And is it the best thing you've ever done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it, is it a great life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Murray. <laughs> we sort of suggested that there was, it was, you know, come to Jesus and all your problems will disappear. You know, we've done that uh, to, to almost to uh, a fault, but knowing him is, is actually life. His word is the bread of life. I just want to remind you that all these things are true and the presence of the Holy Spirit is like a well that will never run dry and it springs up inside us to teach us and to glorify Jesus. But our troubles are just beginning at salvation. Who can amen that? Our troubles are just getting started and, we'll, and they'll likely get worse as we see the rise of artificial information. That's... That's another story. The challenge for some of us today is embracing a changing world that may never be the same again. Just saying, just saying, it's, it's a changing world that may never be the same again. And we may be in for some more trouble yet. And we need God's wisdom and his Holy Spirit's direction to guide us into new ways. New ways of this new reality of reaching those who don't know him yet. We need to challenge unhelpful laws and thinking, as Jeremy said a few weeks ago. We have that right to think for ourselves, to challenge in a spirit of humility. We need to submit to governing authorities according to Peter, and obey the law as an act of spiritual warfare without denying our faith in Christ. And we need to tell our brothers and sisters in love that's within these walls and our circles of influence when they're not helping the cause or they're doing dumb things. But we need to do it in love. David could have had Nathan the prophet murdered. He was the king. But David allowed accountability into his life through listening to Nathan and humbling himself 
and repenting of his gross sin. We need accountability. We need to be hard on bad behavior, but quick to forgive. We need eyes of the Spirit to spot new opportunities to serve in the church and in the community. We need to be creative in our approach to the world. I've got to say, I was so excited. This was probably one of the most exciting speakers at our conference was a guy who started with um, sports chaplaincy just three years ago. There were three sports chaplains in the Waikato. He's built it up to now 50, and the sports clubs of New Zealand are screaming out for chaplains. He cannot find enough sports chaplains to fill the number of sports clubs that want it. You see, the devil's overplayed his hand. There's so much mental illness now and stress. People are wanting support. They are wanting prayer in the sports place. They don't want want it shoved down their throat, but they want prayer. They're open to God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And they've taken funerals. They've, they've been at, at tangis. They've helped alongside people in their darkest moment. That's just one of the creative things we can do to see this world touched with the love of Jesus in a changing world. Finally, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We know that, don't we? It's such a well-known scripture. Hebrews 11, sorry, Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. Knowing the seasons of the Spirit. You know, there's a season for everything. We need to stop doing something if it's no longer working. We need to start something if it's, if it's where God's heading. And we need to be ready for Christ's return by living a clean, repentant life. That's how Peter starts the chapter. Forgiving often and asking forgiveness from others, especially our own family. Peter's three themes of salvation, suffering and submission are as relevant for 2021 as ever before. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, challenge our hearts this morning to be grounded in your love, fully in love with you, and open to change, open to new opportunities to see people touched, redeemed, helped in your kingdom, to your kingdom, living. Lord, we just pray for hearts here that are heavy today that you would come alongside, Father, by your spirit and your power to give stamina in persecution, in suffering, those that may be not enjoying work, those that are disengaged or not interested in what they really are doing every day. Lord, we just pray you'd give them inspiration, give challenge, give motivation to keep going that those around them would just see Christ in them and that they would obey that small, still voice of, that you give to them daily and give to all of us. God, we just pray as a church, we just work together, that we just account to each other and um, come closer 
to that body you are wanting to use in this new and changing world. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast.